this is going to be where we read and cover the last three books in the Little House series. We ran out of time in the last podcast, so we thought we would put an interim minicast up in the in the week between podcasts. And we are women of our word. Let's get to it. And just up front, if we hear a jackhammer, we really, really apologize. The city chose this day to attack my street with jackhammers. So I'm so sorry. There's nothing we can do. But the alternative of the street blowing up is so just every time you hear that jackhammer. (laughs) Just think of us wincing. (laughs) Let's talk about Little Town on the Prairie. Also, just met again. And what happens at the very beginning of the book is that Paul comes home and asks if Flora would like a job in town. Everybody's, like, speechless because the only job anyone's ever heard of if a girl working in town is... To work in a hotel among strangers. And that's bad. And that's not for our Laura. She's not even allowed to hang out with her. Her cousin, Lena. Cousin. Yeah, she was a bad influence. So just imagine all those, like, creepy strangers coming off the train. In a hotel. <laughs> yeah, no good. So she uh, actually is employed for $1.50 a week to sew shirts at a store in town, like a dry goods store. Mm-hmm. And $1.50 a week doesn't sound like a lot to us. No, but I got in this converter thing, and using the, like, unskilled labor conversion from that Mm -hmm. year, it's actually about $186. Which is pretty darn good for a kid to be bringing home. Yeah, so, yeah. That's a big contribution to the family. Like $1.50. I'm not going to trudge into town for $1.50. But back then, it was a lot of purchasing power. And Laura's not going to be blowing it all at Abercrombie. and (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I thought that it was pretty smart of this guy, the dry goods owner, mm-hmm. to make up shirts because I was listening to this documentary about the prospectors, you know, the gold mm-hmm. rush. Pro- right. This is earlier, you know, 50 years earlier. But honestly, the people that made all the money are the chicks that made all the pancakes for everyone and, and the women who made so the, the shirts. Staff. Yeah, because yeah. everybody needs pancakes, you know. Everyone needs pancakes. Everyone needs pancakes. And shirts. And shirts. So I think it was really smart of the guy. Yes. Unfortunately, here they are again with crop failures. I just, poor Pa, man, he just can't catch a break. It's a tough life. It's like, it, it's like, okay, now we've escaped now the grasshoppers. That's right, we've got the blackbird, the plague yeah. of the blackbirds. No, but the only good thing about the blackbirds is at least you can eat them, like put them in a pie or whatever. So I'm just like, you can't put the grasshoppers in a pie. No es bueno. So Ma makes pie. Tough covered. Uh, I'm not that avant-garde. Not really. It's hot sauce on the ice cream. I know. But no. it was really good. Thank you. Beckett's ice cream sundae. has rooster <laughs> sauce on it. Um, so Ma and Pa, it's, okay, they have to sell a cow. They're like, she's going. We're, this is, you know, she's ready. She's going. So they load her in the wagon and with all her stuff in the trunk, and it describes all her clothes, mm-hmm. which I thought was so cool, the way they talked about that. And so she's off to college, and Laura and Carrie and Grace are... Left at home alone on the prairie. So um, they decide. Well, Laura decides. Great. Yeah, big part. No. No, no big parties. (laughs) Unlike the youth of today, Laura decides she's going to do the spring cleaning for Ma. Wait, how does that happen? I am raising my children wrong. (laughs) I need to go to the Ma and Pa school of child rearing. So it kind of describes, like, hijinks ensue, I guess, is Mm -hmm. the short version, you know. It rains on the laundry, and they spill the blacking, and just like you know, everything that can go wrong goes wrong, kind of. But they but get in it the done. End, they yeah. get it done, and the house is nice. And Mom and Pa come home, and none the wiser. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so in the fall, having learned from the long winter, um, they cruise into town for the winter. They're not going to yeah. risk the claim. 
And Laura and Carrie are able to go to school in town. Full time. And, you know, see uh, her old friends. And she meets a new girl named Ida Brown, um, who ends up being one of the two witnesses at her wedding. One of the only people that saw. And she just met her just this year. So interesting. Um, this, we talked about this earlier um, in the podcast. This is this is the episode where Almanzo's sister, Eliza, loses control of the school. And um, she only lasted one term, and I really couldn't blame her. <laughs> All the kids were so bad and bad in front of the school board, and it just was no good. And she just really was not a good teacher. So she makes it through the fall term. <laughs> and then she's out of there. And she's out of there. It doesn't say if she's fired or if she left. Ah, you know. She's replaced. She is replaced by Mr. Cluett, who uh, Laura actually loves. Um, and she really starts studying and studying, and she's just cramming all the time. I think there's a lot of pressure on her to get her teaching certificate. She doesn't say it in the book, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, the, I mean. Well, her mother was a teacher. But sitting at the table every night studying, yeah. I mean, no slacking at all. And she's mm-hmm. kind of, she kind of breaks, I think. And one thing that's not in the book that I just learned about is somebody made a roller rink in town. Lori got in trouble for skiving off and going roller skating when she was nice. supposed to be at school. But that yeah, wasn't in the book. That's, that would have been a, a really neat little I know. anecdote in there. She probably didn't want to appear. Rose took it out. No, I'm not saying that Rose did. <laughs> Just speculating. Um, so the whole town um, starts having literary meetings with, um, like, spelling bees and waxworks and, um, like, trivia games and play yeah, it's really awesome. And this winter, in contrast to the last winter, is a very mild. Woof, mm-hmm. what a relief. And so Laura starts slacking off really badly after this party where two things that are amazing happen to her. She gets an orange. I, as far as the book goes, I don't think she ever but, had an orange before. Yeah. Is that amazing? To us, yeah. To us, but, yeah. I mean, at the time, oranges don't grow in South Dakota. We're so spoiled. Rotten. Spoiled. Rotten. She'd probably walk into the modern grocery store. The Laura of this time would probably yeah. walk into the produce section and start crying. Yeah. Well, just like the sheer shrink wrap. But the volume of things apples. available. Apples. How many apples, of, even in our childhood, how many apples were there? Three, four? Now you go into the apple section of just an ordinary grocery store there's at least half a dozen possibly more that's amazing so that's a very good point yes so um so she starts <laughs> slacking off really bad and hanging out with her friends this may be exactly when she rolls skates yeah and roller skates so she had to spend the summer studying to make up for lost time and then um there is a, another new another teacher new in teacher. the spring gosh that's they just burn not, through teachers out there they really do yeah Finally, Lori gets a teacher that she really likes, and guess who approaches her paw at church to to escort her home? (laughs) The 25-year-old, shall Um, we say again, Almanzo Wilder. Wilder. Yes, so (laughs) that's going on. And then Laura and her friend Ida get this really alarming to me assignment for the school program Mm -hmm. i mean everybody in town's going to be there and they have to recite the entirety of american history now it's not as much history as we have now but even up to that point what yes admittedly there's 130 (laughs) years less history but still so yeah but still that seems wow that's alarming Mm -hmm. that seems very daunting to me and that just kind of speaks pretty well for her studious nature yeah and he uh, Mr. Owen believed in her yeah, to do that. To, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and um, so once again, he, Amanza escorts her home, 
And then when she gets home from that night... And having, she did do very well. Oh, she did very yes. well. And having seen her at the exhibition, there... Okay, Mr. Boast is kind of an old friend from mm-hmm. other books, but he has a friend named Mr. Brewster. And they meet at Laura's house, and they give her this impromptu teacher certificate examination. And he didn't even give her the history test. He's like, basically like, well, we heard... We just heard you we know heard, the history. Yeah. You know history. It's kind of amazing. And then uh, it ends with, this book ends with her receiving, and it kind of does a little replica of the certificate. Mm-hmm. And so she is officially a teacher at 15. At 15. A little, a little young. The next book is called These Happy Golden Years. And I have to say this cover is my favorite cover. Is it? Mm-hmm. As I recall, well, let's see, keep in mind, I have the yellow ones. I have the yellow 1971 version. Yeah. And Laura has a pink dress on, and Almanzo, and they're holding hands under a tree. I think we have the same one. It might have been a. It was my my daughter has the set. Mm-hmm. That's where I read them. Yeah, I just I reread them all the time. So um, as this thing begins, this book begins with Pa taking Laura twelve miles from home in winter for her first teaching assignment at the Brewster Settlement School. Um, so, of course, she's really nervous. You know, this is the first time she's ever left home. This is the first right. time she's ever spent a night away from Can you imagine how scary her house? Your first sleepover now happens in, like, what, first grade? Oh, my goodness. Kindergarten. And that's traumatic. You know, she can come home, but well, not right but, away. Yeah, maybe not. So, um, so, she has this new assignment, and she has to board with the family whose land the school is on. And it does say that his name is Brewster, but since this guy ends up not being a very favorably portrayed guy, mm-hmm. um, his actual name was Louis Bouchy. B-O-U-C-H-I-E. Yeah, and I, she disguised his name because there's, yeah, I'll tell you in a minute, there's some serious bad things going on in that household. So the first, um, she gets $40 for this school term, which it seems... Which- I wonder what that is. It's 5000 bucks. Right, 5000 yeah, yeah, I did that same conversion. 5000 bucks. So you can see That's it's a pretty big change. If you think about, like, your 15-year-old is going to be able to give you 5000 bucks to send your other child to college. Right. <laughs> I can see how you would be like, oh, thanks for the $5,000. So the school seems very difficult to her because she has to spend the night not in a room of her own, but in an alcove on a sofa in these people's houses, like in their bedroom, basically. Which seemed creepy, I guess. Seemed creepy to me. The the wife is so mad that her husband brought her out west. She slams things around. She <laughs> gives him the cold shoulder. She doesn't talk to him. She's like, a little bitter. She's completely Hard. bitter. And, like, to the point where she's so upset that she's kind of mentally ill, really. Yeah, well. And she won't talk to Laura. And she won't. It's like, oh, this is a great place to to live and so Laura actually finds some relief going to school every day because she won't have to be in that sullen really emotionally charged house Mm -hmm. she gets very sad thinking about oh no there is Saturday and there is Sunday and there's no school (laughs) and I am going to have to sit in that house with those people but Along comes, not exactly riding on a white horse, but driving <laughs> some horses, Almanzo Wilder, with his sleigh bells jingling, Yay. and shows up to take her home, thinking she might be lonesome. Yay. That's kind of amazing. I know. Can you imagine dreading and then... And then, seriously. Ser- yeah. Rides in on his horse to take her back home. 
because he thought she might be lonesome. That's pretty... Very compassionate. That's very touching. And 12 miles is no joke. No. It's it's at least a few hours in the negative 40 degree temperature. Cuddled up in the sleigh. Cuddled up. Almanzo's got, some... got some strategery. That's right. He's a... <laughs> so, uh, there, you know, every oh, weekend he arrives to take her home. There's one incident that Laura doesn't tell anyone about until after it's over, where she wakes up to find Mrs. Brewster with a big, fat, old kitchen knife above her husband's head, telling him <laughs> that one way or another she's going to go back east. Yeah. Wow. So the remaining, <laughs> the remaining three weeks, you can imagine there's not much sleep no. gotten, but she does stick it out and gets home, and she doesn't intend to go with Almanzo anymore, and she tells him so, like flat out, I'm not going to go with you anymore once we're back. But she doesn't have very much. She actually turns down several offers of sleigh rides, waiting. She's waiting for Almanzo to come. I don't know how serious she was about not going. So he shows up, and they're off in the sleigh. I mean... And then as the weather turns, he has this buggy, and he has these horses that are completely unmanageable, psycho horses, like <laughs> rearing and bucking, rearing and bucking. And if you think about it, you've got a big skirt, and to get in a buggy, you mm-hmm. have to go between the wheels. Mm-hmm. Now think about how dangerous that would be even if you had, like, leggings on. Right. To leap and between sneakers. these wheels. Yeah. So here she has however many skirts people wore, four, Pen- five, and, you know. Yeah. And she has to make it. And Almanzo can't help her up because he's holding the reins with all the muscles he's gotten. Yeah. And and so, of course, bless Ma's heart because I think I would be like, um, no, you're staying (laughs) at home. But but Ma is like, well, Carrie's not going, thanks for the invitation, but you have to make your own decisions because really, I guess, she's been a teacher. She's earned money and she's earned the right to make adult decisions as to how she's going to distribute her time. Mm Mm-hmm. I can just imagine Ma's fingernails, how they looked. Like, I know what my own mom's looked like when I got in the back of my high school boyfriend's motorcycle. <laughs> so, yes, this is the motorcycle. That's it. Ma's letting her do it. No helmet. Um, and so, briefly, Almanzo, poor deluded soul, feels sorry for Nellie Olson. And so, a couple of times, he comes to pick her up, and there's Nellie Olson sitting in the middle, being all smug, and... It turns out, though, this is um, not actually Nellie Olson, who's a made-up character. There was a person named Genevieve Masters, I guess. That was the that was the Nellie Olson. She changed her name too. To anyway, uh, yes, that was so it was smart a, of Laura, a different person. So Laura tricks the horses into bolting <laughs> by shaking part of the wagon, and the horses freak out. Nellie freaks out, and then once they drop Nellie off, Laura says, "Feel free to stop by for Nellie. Do not stop by for me." At a girl. If you have Nellie in the car. I mean. Yeah. So that ended that because no. who showed up next yeah. week? Just him. Just no Nellie. So Nellie ends up moving back east and that's the last we hear of Nellie. Bye. Au revoir, Nellie. You've been in too many books, by the way. <laughs> um, so She's a compelling character. It's good to have somebody to hate. Yeah. You know, we always meet a villain. So there is a super cute episode where Ma's brother, Tom, shows up. And he visits them. And he's sitting near the fire. And anyway, Laura is talking to Tom when Almanzo stops by. There's some jealousy. Because Uncle Tom is a young man. No idea. And who is Uncle Tom? Almanzo's never seen him. Nope. He's just a young guy. He's a young man sitting there. Why would you be sitting there? Except if you're recording. And so he asks all casually. And I think that made Laura feel nice. Like, oh. You care. 
You care. That's yeah. Nice. That is nice. That was super cute. So Mr. Macho Horseman yeah. has some has some feelings in there. Um, so <laughs> Pa sells a cow to make a so uh, to buy a sewing machine for Ma. Yay! Which was a big deal. It is a really big deal. We'll have to put links to the sewing machine. It doesn't seem like that much of a labor-saving device because it still has a foot treadle. Right. Right. Yes. The old fashioned. Can you imagine still, you have the, like the speed? Oh yeah. That they yeah. could then sew. Yeah. Was, I, that's probably life changing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can imagine one big quadricep though. I know. You know, like you have a Popeye leg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's okay. It's hidden under all those skirts. Oh, that's true. No one would know, but your husband that's maybe. So I don't know. So Laura um, continues to go back. Um, she earns some more money as a seamstress in town. Although this time I think she works for a hat maker, and likes that a lot better. Likes the lady a lot better. Um, and they're trying this time now that college has been paid for to buy an organ for Mary to play when she comes home from college. I think that was a fad, oh, an organ. Really. So Almonzo invites Laura to go to singing school with him, and um, love it. I yeah, I love it too. Although they always have to blow out of there early because the horses are just not good at standing that long. And so on the last night of singing school, when it's over, yes. Now how long have they been together? Uh, about three years. years. Yeah, about three courting. years. Almonzo proposes to Laura. Oops, sorry, talked over you. That's okay. Courting it again. Courting? No. Oh, Almanzo. Almanzo proposes to her. Oh. Uh, but except for he, this is not a good proposal. How would you like a ring? <laughs> and then she said, well, it depends on who would give it to me. <laughs> then there's another pause, and he goes, what if I gave you a ring? And then she goes, it would depend on the ring. <laughs> so was that a proposal, or was that just a oh. negotiation? I'm not really sure. But it next week he had a ring. Being coy. Oh, yeah. she was wanting what she was wanting. Yeah. No, Laura was playing him. Good job, Laura. <laughs> so unlike the solitaires of today, this was a garnet and pearl ring, so a red and uh, I just think that would be really nice. It I have really an old ring. wedding ring, too, but mine's from a lot later, but it's not a solitaire either. A solitaire is not, was not of the time. So anyway, colored stones were not unheard of for a wedding ring. Um, and several months later, Alonzo um, built a house on the tree claim, which is, I guess, I can see the remnants of it on the prairie today, where you had to plant a whole bunch of trees. They're trying to keep the dirt there. They're right. trying to keep the wind down Erosion. and just improving right. the country. Right. Um, and so if you and planted, yeah, trees, yeah. yeah, and if you planted X that. number of trees, the government would give you so much land, mm-hmm. which you had to promise to plant and maintain these trees. So that was what a tree claim was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so evidently, Mama Wilder, and Eliza Jane have it in their heads that they're going to come plan this big church extravaganza wedding. And Almanzo, okay, A, I don't think he can afford that. And <laughs> Pa can't afford, right. Laura's Pa can't afford anything right. like that. And so also I have a feeling that he doesn't want anybody meddling in his affairs. Like these women aren't going to swoop in on a, on the train and take over. And so he asks if she could be married in a couple of days. And she doesn't have a wedding dress made, but Ma... And she are making a black dress, and so she gets married in black. Even though Ma is like, married in black, wish yourself back. Ma has a proverb for every occasion. Love that, though. But Every mother should have a proverb for every occasion. We should come with a list. Well, I was thinking, because they went and got married um, just in a, a little church, Mm-hmm. And nobody was there from her family, and I kind of was upset by that, thinking that's so uncool. But I guess the feeling was, if Almanzo's family couldn't be there, then it's only fair that it's only fair. No, that hers wasn't either. Mm-hmm. But still, that's sweet. This 
them and their witnesses. Yeah, and their witnesses. Um, Ida Brown had become one of Laura's very, very best friends. They shared a seat at school and just became very close. And um, Ida Brown and her fiancé, I think his name was Elmer, unfortunately. <laughs> Elmer. I don't know what his last name was. But no anyway, they... the Elmers out there. Oh, really. one of you. Um, oh. But uh, <laughs> I've never met an Elmer. Have you ever met an Elmer? I've no, never. I never have either. Never met an Elmer. So this ends. Um, they have a wedding dinner with the Ingalls family, and Laura recalls having to beat the eggs for her wedding cake on a plane <laughs> until her arms ached. That's another instance when an electric beater would probably have been very handy. And it ends with them driving away, and Pa gives her a cow. That's okay. <laughs> Seriously, a whole cow. Yeah. He gives her a cow, and Laura's deal. But Laura's mean, very touched. Like yeah. you and I would be like, "Thanks for the cow." cow but it was it was a yeah. good, you know. Yeah. After for the times, that was a very appropriate yeah. wedding gift. From and it, as emotional as Paul ever gets, he says something to the effect of, "With all the contributions you've made to the family over the years, the least I could do is start you off right in your new house." It's just like cow. He gave her a cow. So that is the golden years, which is actually the last golden years. The last book that was published while Laura was alive. And the ninth book, um, Laura had written a draft of um, the first four years of she and Almanzo's life. It had never been published. It was written in these same little red tablets that she used to use, um, the school tablets. Mm -hmm. You know, handwritten school tablets on the desk that's in our special features. Yeah, we'll talk about those in just a sec. But... um, and Rose found that found that after her death, and Rose really didn't work on it that much. They kind of published it as is, and that's kind of why it's not as fleshed out. It's the thinnest book mm-hmm. of them all, and it's very, um, it's a draft. It's like a first draft of a book, and we didn't see the other first drafts and how so thin they were, right. yeah, or whatever. But I think it probably gives a really good indication of what the material was like before Rose got her hands on it. Yeah, that is. That's a good point. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so the first four years, I mean, lots of things happened during the first four years, but i just give you a couple of highlights. Um, they talk about their house and what it looks like, and I loved the description of the pantry with all the shelves. Almanzo had some, I want to say German immigrant or somebody, carpenter, which you can never just do that nowadays. Hey, carpenter, come build me a custom pantry. Now you have to hire kitchen design emporiums yes. to do such. So I imagine it was really neat. But yeah. there were special drawers for fl- for flour and special drawers for sugar and a shelf at the right height so at the window so she could stir her cakes while looking Look out, out at the, the prairie. Yeah, it was important. just very thoughtful, yeah. mm-hmm. very thoughtfully made. Um, and she kept her butter. He had to go through a trap door uh-huh. in, the, in the floor uh-huh. and go down. Well. But the cute thing is that when she got to the house, Almanzo had clumsily, maybe, but had made an effort to put her things everywhere and set up the house for her so it would be nice when she got there. That's sweet. He, That's yes. Very sweet. Sometimes he they'd didn't put up his Miller Lite posters and you know, his, <laughs> his neons and his recliner. And his recliner in front of his big screen TV. and So it was definitely not a bachelor pad. He had set it up as a family home, and that's what it was. Thoughtful. Um, so during these years, Rose is born, and then their second child is born, who ends up dying very early. Mm-hmm. Something else that happens is that their house catches fire and burns down. And the only thing that they save, they they got, I want to say they got the Sears. This is the first mention of the Sears catalog. Mm-hmm. I don't think they mentioned the word Sears is the uh-huh. thing. But they get this catalog, and it just has all kinds of stuff in there. Love. Like, yeah, all kinds of stuff that they want. And one of the things is a glass set, like a glass serving set, and on it it says, give us this day our daily bread. 
And I do believe they saved that plate out of the fire, and that may be the only thing besides the clothes on their backs that they saved from that fire. And I'm going to do some research and see if I can find where that plate is, because I, I do not know. Or if it made it. If the China Shepherdess made it. Yeah, you have to imagine that Laura could have, I mean, they moved around a lot, but so did Ma. But she I guess. the China Shepherdess. I, you know, may, I may, she probably didn't, you know, grab it and throw it out the window. Right. To save it, I mean. You know how people always grab weird things in a fire, like I, they have yeah. a toothbrush and, you know. <laughs> I don't know, and I hope remotes. I never do know oh, what I, I would know, actually really. grab. Of course, everyone has their strategy, you know, the photo albums and, you know. I, I just think like is not, you get the I pet, you get the child, and then you grab random objects. On your way out. I don't know. Then they catch diphtheria in this book, and Almanzo becomes very weakened. Laura recovers fully, mm-hmm. but Almanzo wants to get back to work. Um, that's... We're in downfall of being a workaholic. You don't take care of your health. And he um, goes back to work too soon and never regains his strength. And that's what we talked about in the main body of the podcast, their life from then on. But this period right here, after they catch step three, is when that last book ends, mm-hmm. that last draft. That's it was great. really just never intended to be published in that form. So, so there you have it. That's all the books. I would like to send you over to our website because we do have um we regularly put up show notes of just trivia that we discover pictures that just uh color our podcast a little bit better and we don't talk about it but you it's it's a nice companion and that's the show notes feature on um our website, which is thehistorychicks.com. And also, in the special features, which is what we add in between podcasts, we'll go in, and there's a pull-down menu, and you want to go to whichever woman you're wanting to look at. There's, uh, at this point, a Marie Antoinette and a Laura Ingalls Wilder page, and almost every day between podcasts, one of us will put a special feature in there. Sometimes, like this last one was a recipe, or there could be a link, or little... Uh, pictures that we didn't talk a about. a picture of Marie Antoinette's toilet. There you go. In Versailles. Where else are you going to get That's such right. information? We bring that to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would like to thank everyone who has uh, posted a, a review on iTunes for us. It's really blown us away with your your kindness, really. <laughs> we thank you for that um, and your encouragement. We do want to say that we are really working on the audio issue and we we thank you very much for bringing that to our attention it's a nearly vertical learning curve and then of course today we're meeting for our sound test and the city is jackhammering my street <laughs> so we're a little dismayed that right. that perhaps our efforts are in vain today but yeah like i said we're working on it we're conscious of it and um, it may require buying some new equipment so uh, suffice to say we'll be experimenting over the next couple of podcasts so you'll see Ideally, an improvement. An improvement with each one, each and every one, and so we thank you for that. And then also, I think I think we should read a couple I, of reviews on iTunes. I uh, think so, too. I'm so, I'm so happy. Well, here's a five-star review. Uh, will you read that, I Susan? will. Um, this is from Jessica, and it is on, um, on the iTunes page. Jessica writes, thank you so much. The podcast really appeals to me. You've picked really interesting historical figures, and I love that they are all women. I've read a couple of books on Marie Antoinette, and you still told me some facts that aren't generally known. Those are my favorite. Anything that can help me relate to them on a more personal level is awesome. I've never heard her last words before the guillotine, didn't realize so many had lost their lives trying to protect them, and liked the information about the sister who was most beautiful but was disfigured by disease. 
Thank you for taking the time to write that, Jessica. And we do read them all. We read all your comments. We read all the reviews on iTunes. And we do have a master list that we composed ever before we even sat down um, that has a great number of women listed on it. So we hope that we pick them in an order um, which appeals to you. And we've said up front, some are fictional, some are factual. Most of them will be factual, but yeah. some will be fictional. We do have that list. And if there's anybody that you want us to do, just drop us a note at the his- chicks at thehistorychicks.com. My, they're probably on the list, but you never know. So if someone is appealing to you, just let us know. For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at thehistorychicks with, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to sit in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. Music.